Hello, hypertension resistor. Today I want to feature Dr. Tess Laurie and her study that investigated ivermectin. She was inspired over the Christmas holiday to do a pooling together of the data from the studies used by Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Paul Malik's group, the frontline group, to investigate ivermectin as a standard of care. First, you will hear her video message to the Prime Minister. She made this recording because she tried to contact the Prime Minister with the good results from her study that showed that, that ivermectin reduced deaths. That ivermectin could be part of the standard of care to treat COVID-19. Then you'll hear Dr. Campbell. He has a very nice review of Dr. Laurie's paper. Lastly, you will hear Dr. Laurie tell you what the next steps will be in order to get ivermectin recognized as a potential standard of care. So let's get to it. Dear Prime Minister, my name is Dr. Tess Laurie and I'm the Director of the Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy in Bath. My business conducts industry-independent medical evidence synthesis to support international clinical practice guidelines. My biggest clients are the National Health Service and the World Health Organization. I have recently authored a report called Ivermectin for preventing and treating COVID-19, a rapid review to validate the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance's conclusions. In connection with its findings, I sent an urgent correspondence to Mr. Hancock and other members of Parliament on Monday the 3rd of January. Unfortunately, I have not yet had a reply, and due to the urgent implications of the report, I'm trying to reach you via this video. The good news is that we now have solid evidence of an effective treatment for COVID-19. It is called ivermectin. Ivermectin is a very safe and effective anti-parasitic medication widely used in low and middle income countries to treat worms, lice and scabies in both adults and children. It has been around for decades and not only is it on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines, it is a Nobel Prize winning medicine due to its increasing usefulness across a range of different illnesses. Between Christmas and New Year, I independently reviewed 27 studies presented by the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance as evidence of ivermectin's effectiveness. The resulting evidence is consistent and unequivocal. Ivermectin works well, both in preventing COVID infections and in preventing deaths. At the, at the same doses used to treat lice and other parasitic infections. I'm very pleased to inform you that this evidence solidly substantiates the FLCC's recommendation that ivermectin should be adopted globally and systematically for the prevention and treatment of COVID-19. Because I know there is a lot of fake news going about, I would like to assure you that you can trust the integrity of my report because I'm an, I'm an experienced independent medical research consultant whose work is routinely used to underpin international clinical practice guidelines. In addition, I have no conflict of interest 
and have received no funding for this report. But most of all, you can trust me because I am also a medical doctor, first and foremost, with a moral duty to help people, to do no harm, and to save lives. This video message is such a creative way to communicate since Dr. Lori did not receive a response. So, so now let's listen to Dr. Campbell. He will review Dr. Lori's study. Now, he's a little long-winded, but uh, he gets his message across. I like him a lot. So, uh, interview with Dr. Um, Tess Lorry. Uh, she's a medical doctor. She's a doctor of philosophy. Uh, she's a research specialist and understands research remarkably well. Uh, the information she looked at came from the Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance. And uh, she heard the uh, Senate, uh, was the American Senate hearing with Dr. Perry Corey. Uh, she's got a background and expertise for analysis and synthesizing lots of different information. So she takes different studies, puts it all together and comes out with a bigger picture. So um, Dr. Lawyer was impressed with the body of evidence from the Frontline Critical Care COVID Alliance. So is there a plausible mechanism of action whereby ivermectin could be antiviral, whereby ivermectin could be anti-inflammatory? Yes, on both counts was her answers. Prevents the life cycle of the virus and prevents viral replication. There is reduces inflammatory markers. In other words, the way that the body reacts to inflammation. We don't quite know whether that's reducing the amount of viruses, so there's less virus around to reduce the inflammation, or whether it's a direct anti-inflammatory. Probably a bit of both, potentially. Um, some studies show ivermectin reduces viral load. So uh, this is from, from Dr. Laurie again. She did say potentially working against DNA and RNA, ribonucleic acid viruses like SARS coronavirus 2. Now, practical empirical evidence for ivermectin working against SARS coronavirus 2 COVID-19. Uh, preventing deaths uh, and preventing infections, both possible. Uh, now, she did a study including randomized controlled trials and the better quality observational studies. And she came out with 83% reduction in death rates. She has specialized software where she puts all this information on from all the different trials. And the software works out what the overall effect is. This is basically like recrunching the data. You take all the data from all these trials. You put it into this meta-analysis software and it reanalyzes essentially all the data from all of the trials. So instead of having 10 little trials... It's a bit like having one big trial. Now, she did point out that in pandemics, we're in emergency situations and um, doctors are obligated to act quickly. But again, uh, no political action in the UK from this. One has to wonder why there has been no... Or, or is there? Did, we don't know. She didn't get a reply. Randomised control trials were the same as observational studies. So this software can actually... It analysed a cohort of uh, randomised controlled trials and analysed a cohort of um, good quality observational studies. And it found out that the results in both were highly comparable. So it looks like from that data, that indicates that the good quality observational studies are yielding data as accurate as the randomised controlled trials. Uh, now, uh, ivermectin seems to be useful in all stages of the disease. Uh, her meta-analysis showed there was an 88% reduction in infection rates. 88% efficacy in preventing infection, according to that data that she analysed. I mean, that is just staggering, staggering figure. And mild and moderate disease to reduce viral load, so disease worsening. So um, in mild and moderate disease, it reduced viral load 
and it reduced viral load so the patient didn't get sicker. Even though the people conducting the trial or she believes that giving ivermectin is going to reduce their chances of dying. So who would volunteer for the placebo group if they were given full information on that? So this was the limitations that she pointed out about randomised controlled trials, which are so interesting and enlightening that they're not always possible for ethical reasons, because by definition, there's a whole bunch of people in the control group that don't get the active intervention. Um, 48% reduction in symptoms, that, that turned out at low certainty, but again, she was being conservative. No point uh, having a drug that's efficacious but dangerous. Uh, her answer to that was that billions of doses have been given over the last 40 years. It's one of the World Health Organization's essential medicines list because it treats parasitic infections. Probably a third of the world's population have had ivermectin at some time or another. From that, over the past 40 years where we have data... Um, there's been uh, 4,600 adverse reactions to ivermectin and 16 deaths, uh, which actually, although it sounds bad, is actually relative, re remarkably small. Um, remdesivir, for example, uh, over the past year, there's been 417 deaths. So this is no drug is ever safe. All drugs carry a risk. Every single active pharmaceutical agent that you'll ever take carries some degree of risk. But the risk with ivermectin is small and massively smaller than remdesivir, which is being used routinely. Um, studies have shown it's safe even if you give 10 times the dose. It comes in tablets, 3, 6 or 12 milligram tablets. One can make any, any pharmaceutical uh, manufacturer approved in their particular country can uh, is free to market this. There's no patent on it. There's no copyright on it. So it's generic and freely available. Something development. Uh, anyway, this group, British Ivermectin Research Development Group that um, Dr. Laurie's in, recommended for prevention and treatment of in the UK. And they've told everyone, the World Health Organization, the Food and Drug Administration, anyone who's listened, everyone has been informed. Uh, she did point out that something called the Helsinki Declaration means that doctors should give what they know to be effective. It's a moral duty that doctors should give what they know to be effective. Uh, in the control group, um, 368 out of 883 got COVID. So again, prophylaxis, very impressive, cumulative, synthesized data here from Dr. Laurie and her group. So 25 uh, protected with ivermectin, um, out of 1397 got the infection, 386 got the infection out of 833. That works out at a reduced risk of 93% reduction in infection rates. Even when one study that could have been argued about, um, she did talk to the author of the study, but you could still argue about the study. Um, although, anyway, even if you took it out, um, it was because it produced a bit of variance between the different studies a bit of heterogeneity between the studies so even if you took that one out you've still got 87 percent protection and that's exactly what i love about dr campbell he gives all the details that you need and then he gives his honest opinion about what's going on such a wonderful piece of work so let's hear what Dr. Laurie has to say about what the next steps will be for displaying the evidence of ivermectin and how it could be used as the standard of care. She will tell us the next step that will get this job done. Here she is. Get met to people and doctors, to the public and doctors, 
are clinical outcomes. The outcomes like death, am I going to die if I get COVID and I'm in hospital and I've got mild disease or severe disease? It's how long am I going to stay in hospital? Am I going to be admitted to ICU? Will I need mechanical ventilation? That sort of stuff. And then preventing disease, you want to know if I take this tablet, what are my chances of, uh, and I'm a healthcare worker or I'm exposed to COVID-19, what are my chances of getting an infection, you know, if I'm, if I'm exposed? So these are the things that are important. So I extracted data from the studies on those clinical outcomes, and I was so excited with what I found. You know, I just, when I saw the data, I just thought I have to communicate this as soon as possible. Statistical tests that we do, there was a consistency across the studies. They were all saying the same thing. There's a certain amount of caution one would apply. And because there is a standard operating procedure for grading the evidence that you get in meta-analyses, now I use the, the operating procedure I always use, which is the WHO standard operating procedure. I evaluated the evidence according to that procedure, and it came to an assessment of moderate certainty. Now, there's also a standard way of interpreting evidence. So moderate certainty evidence means that the effect is probably, we use the word probably in the interpretation, whereas if it was low certainty, we'd say it may, and if it was high certainty, we'd say it does. Um, so there was moderate certainty evidence that ivermectin reduce the risk of death by 80% or 83%. And the, the effect estimate range was 67 to 92%. So my conclusion was that it's not a question of whether ivermectin reduces deaths. It's just a question of by how much. So is it 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%? Yes. Maybe a large randomized controlled trial would be able to pinpoint exactly the percentage. But who would you get to take part in such a randomized controlled trial when the evidence of its reduction in deaths is so clear? So anyway, so there I was with this evidence and I was just stunned and I thought I have to communicate this as soon as possible. So this was the Sunday night. So I did that work between the 26th of December and the 3rd of January. And I just worked night and day, night and day to get that. And I thought I was just going to do that. I was going to get it to the Prime Minister's office, he was going to say, thank you, we must get ivermectin as soon as possible. And, um, and then I could get on with my, my usual work. <laughs> it didn't happen, unfortunately. The next day, I emailed Ministers of Parliament, I emailed the Health Ministry, I emailed journals. Uh, it was just like everybody was asleep. Nobody responded to emails. And um, the days were moving on. You know, so and I was very aware that every day people were dying unnecessarily. Instead of the number of people dying that were dying, there could just be 20% of those number dying. So for every 10 people dying, there were eight dying unnecessarily, something like that. So I started as the days were on, because of my clinical background, I, f I felt... Um, I felt a huge moral duty and concern that I was kind of holding this information and not being able to get it up. So on the Thursday evening, the 7th, in fact, it was about 11 o'clock, I just thought I've got to do something. So I did that video appeal for the Prime Minister. We're doing what's called a rapid Cochrane review. So 
as I say, Cochrane has a very well-established methodology, and I feel that if we stick to the systematic methods that they use to distinguish quality evidence, we will be heard. Now, with this new study that has shown that Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccine could be much less effective against the South African variant than we initially had expected. This is why we need multiple tools in our toolbox to fight COVID-19. This is another reason why ivermectin should be part of our standard of care to treat COVID-19. So what do you think? Let me know in the comments. If this video has been useful, like, share, and subscribe for more videos like this one. Thanks for listening.